Well, this morning I want us to continue with our series on prayer. Prayer, as we mentioned last week, and we'll probably continue to mention as we go through this time as we talk about prayer, is an absolute integral part in a believer's life. It's an absolute integral part imperative that a believer prays. God's Word's very clear. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, God's Word tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Can it get any clearer than that? Now, when it says pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean just walk around in an in a attitude of prayer with your eyes closed, your head bowed, bumping into everything. Uh, that's not what that verse is talking about. Actually, you get a, a pretty good idea of what that verse means. You, you, you need to understand that it basically means you don't give up praying. Are there things you're praying about, you're praying for? Do not give up. Pray without ceasing. God hears. God understands. God has promised to meet our need according to His riches in glory. But look at 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. He uses that word ceasing, and I think gives us a clearer understanding of what it means to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. Remember, without ceasing, your work of faith, or your faithful working, and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So Paul is making sure that this young church in Thessalonica, they understand that he was always praying for them, that he never forgot to pray for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also I thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. Kind of gives you the idea of what that word without ceasing means. It means there's a consistency in your prayer life. There is an understanding that God desires for you to pray that there are things that we pray about that are so important that we take before the throne of God. We pray without ceasing. Now, I heard someone say one time that you, you pray for something and then that's it. If you really had faith, if you pray and ask God for something, then that's the only time you ought to pray about it. And if you pray for it a second time, what you're doing is demonstrating a lack of faith. Nothing could be more unbiblical than that concept. As a matter of fact, when it tells us to pray without ceasing, it's telling us how serious we are to take our constant prayer life, never giving up on our children, our grandchildren, our family, our friends. God meeting those needs which He's promised already to do. And we take them before him. As a matter of fact, we need to understand what Daniel 10 teaches us about prayer. Remember, Daniel was praying about an understanding of what all was going on in the last days and, and those visions that he was having. And remember, Gabriel comes to him and says, You know, from the very beginning, 
I started coming to you in order to give you understanding, but I was prevented by the, by the prince of Persia. So we need to understand there are demonic forces that work against our prayer life. We are teasing, kidding ourselves. We are, we are misguided if we think that Satan is going to stand by and go, well, they prayed about that. I guess I'll change direction. Matter of fact, once Satan can't read your heart. He can't read your mind. The only way that he knows what's on your heart and your mind is you tell him. And the best way for you to tell him is by taking it to God. I know it puts a lump in his throat and it scares him to death. But we need to understand that we're in a spiritual warfare. And the power that we have against that is prayer. Man, listen, you need to be praying for your families. You need to be praying with your wives. You need to be praying with your children. Your children need to see you praying. They need to, un- they need to understand that your focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ and you understand who the source of your strength, your power, your hope, your eternal life, who that is. And they watch you pray and take it to the Lord. You know, one of the, early on in my life, one of the main reasons I believe that there was a God Even before I knew the Lord Jesus as my Savior, even before I had that personal relationship with Him, I knew there was a God. And it's because I watched and observed my grandmother praying. And the effectiveness, the the impact of watching her at the kitchen table with an open Bible, with her hands folded and her praying and crying out to God on behalf of her children and her grandchildren moved me. No one could convince me that there was not a God because if there were no God, my grandmother wouldn't be talking to him. What your kids see you doing, the impression that that leaves on them, is unfathomable. Prayer is what takes you before the throne of God, but it also is what moves another people's lives. I, I remember, this was years ago, I don't know, a long time, I was a kid. We were on a trip to Disneyland in California. There was no Disney World, there wasn't nothing like that. There was just Disneyland out in California, and we had cousins that lived out in California. And so we were on vacation. We were on our way out there. And that was before there was an interstate system. There, I think we were taking Route 66 as far as we could, and, and we, we were in every little mom and pop town and, and every red light and stop sign. And, you know, it takes you a long time to get out there in those days. And I remember we were going through some town, I forgot where, it had to have been Texas because Texas goes forever and ever and ever. And we stopped at a Greasy Spoon restaurant because that was all that was along the way. And we went in and going to have lunch. And we went in and we sat down and we, we ordered, we were getting ready for our food and I, I might have been a little older than Vernon, but, but not much older. And these old farmers came in, 
and our, our cowboys or something. But they were dirty, and they walked in, and they were, they were brushing the dirt off of themselves, and, and they just, they looked rough as cobs. And they just huge hands and muscular, and they just looked rough. And I went, uh-oh, I, I think my daddy can take them, but, I, I, but I'm, I'm not sure. And I thought, that this, it, was, it was kind of fearful for me. I don't know why. Farmers don't scare me anymore. I love them. But I, I remember them walking in, and I remember them sitting down at a table, and I remember watching them as their food was delivered, and there were four of them. And I'll never, ever forget the grandpa, the roughest-looking one, folding his hands and praying. <sighs> what a relief, but also what an impact it had on that young kid. Real men pray. Real men understand their source of strength, their source of joy, their source of hope. Real men pray. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It tells us a little bit more about prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're to pray without ceasing. This nonsense about it, you only pray once about it, and if God doesn't answer it, uh, oh well. But it shows lack of faith if you pray more than once. Well, Paul prayed more than once about an issue. Prayed three times about a serious issue. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Start with verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Three times Paul prayed about that issue. Lord, deliver me from that issue. And what was God's answer to him? My grace is sufficient for you. Now next, well not next week, but the following week, we're going to get in a little bit more detail about that because you're thinking, well, I thought the Lord said in John 14 that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he would do it. That, and that verse disproved that, and there are other verses too. We're going to be talking about that and answering that because it is a dispensational point that's got to be made in understanding prayer and our prayer for this dispensation. But God answered him. God didn't take away that messenger of Satan that was buffeting him, that was causing him distress, that was causing him problems. God's answer to him is, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for you. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, and listen to what Paul says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people that were so depressed, were so down, because, well, we prayed about it. 
We prayed about that issue. And it doesn't seem like the God is answered and the, the situation just continues and we're still dealing with it and they're just so down and they're so depressed and in their mind, God's not faithful. He didn't answer that prayer. The truth is you ought to be excited about what God is taking you through, that God is answering your prayer. God's grace is sufficient and there's a lesson you need to learn. It does not mean that God is not faithful. It means that God is going to demonstrate His strength during your weakness. Paul even goes on. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. How many of you are willing to say that? Not in the modern church. Boy, in the modern today's church, we expect God to answer our prayer, and it, it says He's going to meet all of our need according to His riches and glory. Maybe your need is to experience what it is that you're experiencing. Pastor, that's a cop-out. No, I'm telling you, God is doing His work in your life to conform you to the image of His Son. God is doing His work to conform you to the image of His Son. Isn't that what we want? So sometimes it is not giving you exactly what you want or what you ask for. In fact, that could be the worst thing for you. It's like I said last week, I praise God for unanswered prayer. So many things I prayed for. Boy, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. But I can tell you this, through it all, through it all, He has been faithful. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, that's just the opposite of the way the world views things of that sort. It's not that God is not answering prayer. It's not that God is not there supporting you. It's not that God is, he is not a sugar daddy. Let me tell you what God is not. He is someone that wants the very best for you. And where do we learn that? We learn it through prayer and through our Bible study. But not only are we to pray without ceasing, when we pray, and part of our prayer life is to thank God in all things and for all things. I've got to tell you, that's one of the hardest le lessons for me to learn. Because when I don't get my way sometimes, it's easy to stomp my little spiritual toes and demand of God to do things the way I want them Rather than giving thanks, Lord, I thank you for this situation. I thank you for doing this. I thank him in those things. I thank him for those things. Ephesians 5 tells us that we're to thank God for all things. 1 Thessalonians, where we, we just were. Again, Paul in 1 Thessalonians is, is telling us that we're to, thank, we're, we're to thank him in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We're to thank Him in all things. Let me encourage you to try that. Whenever something is going on in your life and it's not what you want and you don't understand why it's happening, thank God in all things. That is the will of God for your life. 
I pray because I want to know what God's will is for your life or for my life. Well, the first thing you do to know what God's will is for your life is to thank Him in all things because that tells you that's His will for your life. Regardless of what it is, that's hard. I understand. And I'm not saying that all things are... are you don't praise God for evil things. That's contrary to His, his nature. But anything and everything that comes into your life can be used of God to bring glory to Himself. And what matters is your attitude, your trust. Lord, I belong to you, so you take me and you take this situation and you use it for your glory. Now, that's a hard lesson. But I got to tell you, that's where victory is. That's where victory is. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, that's, that's the story where the ten lepers come to the Lord. See, God wants us thankful. You want to know what God's attitude is toward prayer? These ten lepers come to the Lord, and they ask Him to, to cure them of leprosy, and God tells them what to go to do to go and bathe. And so those ten lepers went, and on the way, they didn't even go bathe. They just, they just left on the way. They were cured. One stopped. One. One stopped and came back and fell at his feet and thanked him. And the Lord said, I, I thought there were ten. What happened to the other nine? See, the lesson there, number one, is that faith expresses itself in obedience. Number two, it's important to the Lord that we be thankful for his goodness, for his grace, for his provision for His direction, for all that He's doing in our lives, we do so with thankful hearts. Now, the definition of prayer, as we said last week, is simply talking with God, communicating with God. I saw a d- description this week or uh, a definition of prayer is a request to God. Well, that's kind of a fallacy. Prayer is so much more than just going to God and asking for stuff. But that's the way the world sees it, that prayer is, is just asking God for something. That's not how the Bible defines prayer. It's not what the Bible says that prayer is. Yes, prayer is communing with God, talking to God as you would your very best friend, your most trusted confidant, Actually share things with him that you could not, would not, or should not share with anybody else. And you're not going to tell him, as we talked about last week, you're not going to tell him anything that he doesn't already know. And you know that secret is safe with him. Even better, you know that it is forgiven. And that you stand perfect in the Lord Jesus Christ. He already knows your deepest concerns. He already knows every trouble you're facing. He already knows your needs, but He wants you to come to Him as your children, come to Him as the Heavenly Father, and lay them all there, because what that tells Him that you know that you belong to Him. And He is the source of all of your blessings. You share those things. You lift them up to Him. And prayer is imperative to your walking in the Spirit. 
You cannot walk in the Spirit the way the Bible instructs us to walk in the Spirit if you do not pray. If you don't spend time in prayer, and I'm not talking about some long, drawn-out, ongoing prayer. It doesn't have to be that. Hey, if, if it's, it's good if you can. I forgot who said it. I was going to look it up. I thought about it this week. Um, I can't now. It might have been. Oh, it doesn't matter. Somebody said he was really busy, and he asked, they asked him, how many hours a day does he spend in prayer? I think it was Charles Spurgeon. And he said, two hours a day, two hours in the morning he spends in prayer. And they said, aren't you, aren't you too busy for that? He said, I'm too busy not to do that. See, it all, it's all about attitude and understanding that whole dimension to your walk with the Lord Jesus, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. See, that's one of those horizontal truths from Genesis to Revelation. That horizontal truth is through every dispensation is that God cares for you. He desires for you to cast your care upon him for he cares for you. We do that in our prayer life. Psalm, uh, not Psalm, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, start with verse 4, see God's word tells us how we pray as believers in the Lord Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, see there are no explanation points in in Greek. So the way they made sure you got the impression was was thrown out there is they would say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's like rejoice, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. The seriousness of understanding that scripture Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Prayer is an attitude of gratitude. It's what prayer should be. It's an attitude of gratitude. See, we rejoice in the Lord as we begin to pray And we start out our prayer rejoicing in the Lord because we understand we belong to Him. That's something to rejoice over, isn't it? You belong to your Heavenly Father. You're His child. You are a joint heir of Christ. You're an heir of God. You belong to Him. You rejoice over that fact. When you pray, that thought ought to come to you each and every time. Rejoice in the Lord always because you belong to Him. There should be an element of excitement about your prayer life. There should be a boldness to your prayer life. Listen, you are taking your request, your petition before the very throne of God. Whenever you pray, you need to understand that what's happening is your petition, your request is going before the very throne of God. As we found out last week, Romans 8 tells us you really don't know how to pray. We don't know what we should pray for. That's okay. The Holy Spirit does. 
And so we still take our request, well, I just have a hard time with the words. I have a hard time getting my thoughts out. The most eloquent prayer warrior, the most eloquent theologian does not know how to pray. It doesn't matter. You take those needs, those petitions before the throne of God and the Spirit of God makes intercession for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is one of the things that we have going for us as a child of God. So we go with boldness. We go with thanksgiving, rejoicing in the Lord always. Let me tell you what we don't have to do. Now, I don't know where this came from. I have an idea, but I don't know. But for years and years and years, ever since I was a kid, I've heard preacher people, preachers too, but well-meaning people say we need to plead the blood. You ever heard that? It's not scriptural. You don't need to plead the blood. It was freely given. That is a doctrine of, that's not there. The blood of Christ is not something you need to plead over. It is freely given. It is a gift of God. You are a child of God. How many of your children or your grandchildren need to plead, may I come before you on this basis? You don't plead the blood. It was freely poured out. Pleading the blood as if it's going to release some extra power. It's not where the power comes from. The power of your prayer comes from the power of God. It is the gift of God, and we trust Him for all of those things. doesn't release some extra power. Not at all. You don't need to plead what God freely gives, freely offers. I've got to tell you, whenever I pray, it always overwhelms me. Always overwhelms me. That God's invitation to me is to bring all of my petitions and requests before Him. And He cares. And He wants to hear what I have to say. Verse 5. Let your moderation or your gentleness, your patience, be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Now, That part of the scripture is somewhat debated. We really don't know. So your position on that is as good as my position or anybody else's. The fact is the Lord is at hand. Now, does that mean that, and, I, and personally, in the context, I believe it means that he's available. He's there for you to take your petitions. The Lord is at hand. He's available for you to lay out that need. Some people believe the Lord is at hand. He's coming soon. Either reason is reason to pray. Whether the Lord is at hand. Hey, he's there. Take that issue to him. Or the Lord is at hand. He's about to come back. You better be praying. Either way, it fits. It works. But know this. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. And I'll just lay it out. In this evil, evil times, these evil days, 
it's hard not to be anxious. It's not, it's difficult not to be concerned and worry about what's coming. But God's word says be anxious, be careful for nothing. We trust God. We belong to him. We watch the news, thank God that he's on his throne. We see crazy things happening on this planet. Be thankful that the tomb is empty. Be anxious for nothing. I remember I got my dad's Bible. He hadn't had it very long, and uh, he was getting ready to go in for surgery, and I was flipping through it, and the only scripture that he had underlined in this Bible was Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. And he'd done that right before he went into open heart or heart surgery. And so he claimed that promise. That, that promise brought peace and it brought comfort to what was a pretty frightening second heart surgery. He never made it out of surgery. Last time I ever talked to my dad was him saying, I love you, son. I love you too, dad. God's got this. Yeah, he does. Be anxious for nothing. That was a scripture that my dad just fell back, you know, as, as he was on that surgery table and as they were administering the, uh, the anesthesia, you know, doing all, he just trusted, rested in that. You can say, well, God didn't answer his prayer. Oh, yeah, my dad is in glory. He wouldn't trade places for love nor money. He was called home. But see, what God did do, be anxious for nothing. A little bit further on, he tells us, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts. What God did do is he comforted my dad's heart. He comforted my heart, my sister's heart, my mom's heart, all of his brother's heart. God comforted our hearts so that we trusted him. And the greatest comfort at all is knowing that Christ went to Calvary, died for the sins of my dad, of me, and one of these days there's going to be a reunion. See, that's the way God works. These, these things about, well, we're praying for my dad's healing. We also prayed, Lord, your will be done. Because that's where the real glory comes. So be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. We can trust God in everything. Because the last time I looked, Romans 8, 28 is still in the book. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Doesn't say everything is good, but all things work together for good. Even as my dad took his final breath. And I was in there when they shut the monitor off. I was holding his hand. And he went off into eternity. But knowing where he was going. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. These are all 
components are expressions of prayer. Praying, supplication, request, all different words, all pointing to taking your need before God, all with important distinctions that we as members of the body of Christ, of those who love God, need to understand what each one of those mean. With prayer, that's the Greek word there has more to do with praise and adoration than beseeching God. So with prayer, with, with praise, with, it, it has to do with personal devotion to God. With prayer, basically I read this word and that Greek word means recognizing who God is, who he is to you, and that you recognize who he is. I think that's healthy for a prayer life, to start out not going, God, I need, I need, I need, but God, you are, you are, you are, and taking that before him. That's what that prayer is there. It's a personal devotion. It's like praise. It's telling God who he is, who he is to you, exalting him. You, you want examples of that? You go to the Psalms. And remember, David was a man after God's own heart. And the thing that he exercised more than anything else, as I study, was praising God and his prayer, recognizing, God, I owe it all to you. You are the one who should be exalted. You are the one to be praised. You are the one that's going to have his way in my life. That's, that's what prayer is. Look at Psalms. Let's look at a few Psalms real quick. Look at Psalm 148. One forty-eight, verse thirteen. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. May we ever remember that as we pray. May we never forget exactly who it is that we are taking our petitions before. Look at 149. Praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. And he goes on to tell you in all the other ways that you're to praise God. Remember, David was a man after God's own heart, and he made sure we understood. Look at Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, you answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Look at Psalm 139. 
Look at 14. 139, 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous of thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Marvelous are your works. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He made you. He's the creator. Look at Psalm 34. And folks, we're barely scratching the surface on these praise psalms that direct us and teaches us how we are to approach God's throne with boldness. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, so that's sort of like without ceasing. See, this, that, whole, that, that whole thought carries over. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I couldn't leave out that, last, that third verse because... That's the, that was the verse Faye and I picked when she asked me to marry her and I told her I would. <laughs> By the way, our grandson just got engaged this weekend. I can't believe I'm married to a woman old enough to have a kid that's ready to get married. That just blows my mind. Levi got engaged. Wow. I... That, Amazing. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. See, that's our verse. But you know what we did when we first came to St. Louis Bible Fellowship? If you see on your bulletin, that verse is there. We decided that that's okay for you to claim that verse is our verse too. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. See, that's what prayer is all about. Psalm 33, 8. Look at Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. That's what we should do when we pray, recognizing who it is that we're praying to. All prayer should begin with praise, adoration, basically boasting about who your God is because no one else has a God like our God. No one can do, no one has done what our God has done. When prayer and supplication, supplication, the Greek word there has to do with special or personal needs, personal needs. We start out prayer with praise and adoration, recognizing God for who he is, and then we take our supplications, our re, the, the, these petitions, our personal needs before him. He welcomes those. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. Pray for wisdom. Pray for healing. Pray for traveling. Pray for your meals. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray, pray for the world situation. Pray, pray, pray. The things that cause you worry which you shouldn't have that, our distress, things that you're concerned about, take to God. Take to God. Those supplications are your personal needs. With thanksgiving, remember that, 
always with thanksgiving. Not because you're going to get your way, but because God's going to have His. See, you want Him to have His way. You don't want your way. You want Him to have your way. Thank you, God, that you're going to have your way in all of these prayer requests that we've lifted up. You're going to have your way. Your will is going to be done. And that is going, you're going to use it to glorify yourself in such a tremendous way. And let your requests be made known unto God. I think of all of these three Greek words, the, the word there for request. It's a different Greek word. And it's the idea of coming before God with a childlike reliance on Him. Knowing that He can meet your need and you have such a need. But it's with a childlike confidence. It's a reliance on Him. It reminds me of that old song, Where Could I Go? but to the Lord. So you come to your journey's end, you come to the point where there's nowhere else to turn, where could I go but to the Lord? See, that's, that's the point of that word. See, the bottom line of prayer, real quick, like, whether it's our praise and our adoration, our petitioning, our trusting is that we give it all to God and we trust Him with it. We trust Him with our life's needs. We trust Him with our life's wishes. We trust Him with our hopes. We trust Him with our fears. Lord, I belong to You. You mold and You shape. Verse 7. Boy, what a promise. And we're going to go into this more detail in two weeks because we need to. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You'll notice that it didn't say, and my God, whatever you ask in my name, he will do it. Like John 14 says, it does not say where two or you agree on earth is touching anything, he will do it. It doesn't say that. See, those, that's part of the apostolic authority and they had the power to forgive sins, to retain sins, or to forgive sins. They had that authority. Whatever they asked the Father in Jesus' name, He would do it. That was under the kingdom program. And we're going to get into that a whole lot more often, or in a couple of weeks, because it's, it's important that you understand those distinctions in this present dispensation in our prayer life. We can't go before God and say, you said that if two or more agree is touching anything, you're going to do it, and you grab somebody and you bring them over and you go, they agree with me, God. It's not the way God works in this present dispensation. What you can do is you can say, Lord, I've got this need, and you've promised to calm my heart. You've promised to give me that peace that passes understanding and according to your word, Lord, provide that peace because I can't deal with this anymore. And you know what he does? Each and every time, he provides that peace that passes understanding. We're not under the kingdom program. We're not under that apostolic authority. 
where they had that. The signs and wonders. We're going to get into that in a few weeks. What happened there? Why that's no longer. But just real quick. In this present dispensation, when we take our prayers, our needs before God, and He provides that peace that passes understanding, we have the opportunity to demonstrate such an enormous faith in God. Not that he's going to do what we require or what we've demanded or what we even ask. But because we trust him that his will is going to be done. See, which, which one do you think brings God more glory? For me to be able to go over and lay hands on somebody and have them receive their sight. And by the way, I cannot find any recorded Anywhere in the United States. It's amazing how all those raising dead people and giving sight to the blind and make that always happens someplace else. Never happens here. But can you imagine if we had that authority to go and lay hands on people and they would be healed only because we ask in the name of Jesus? See, that's that's walking by sight. That's walking by evidence. That's not walking by faith. That was a sign and a wonder to the nation of Israel that the promises of God were, and the kingdom program, it was underway, that people had better get ready, that this Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. All that pointed to that. We don't have that authority. The authority we have is being the body of Christ and saying, Lord, one day, one day, our faith is your, you've saved us. I've been bought with a price. Well, can you prove it? But God's Word says it. My faith says I have been. Can you prove there's going to be a rapture? My faith says that I'm going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. See, that's what glorifies God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our faith during this time, when it's... Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. That... You know what else God's Word says? That in the ages to come, because of our, our position in Christ, because of who we are in Christ, because of how God is working through the church, His body today, that in the ages to come, we're going to show the exceeding riches of His grace. That's our position. As we surround the throne, it's not going to be church, body of Christ, because any of us saw certain miracles take place, and that's what convinced us. But because we came before God in prayer saying, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again for me by faith. I trust you, Christ Jesus, as my Savior, and believe that the moment you do that, you are declared righteous. You are declared sanctified. You are declared glorified. All of that work Christ does, you are taken by the Holy Spirit and you are placed into the body of Christ. You are sealed there into the day of redemption. And it's all by faith. That is the gospel. That's how a person is saved today. It's not by
the miracle. As I believe the angels, the angels rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And oh, we thank you for your marvelous greatness and goodness and mercy and love. We thank you for who you are. We're thankful for who we are in Christ. We come acknowledging that we do not deserve it. Father, we come acknowledging that it's not because of our deeds, because of our efforts, but Father, it's because of your amazing love and your amazing grace. So we declare this morning that we love you. And we praise God for that salvation, that eternal life, that gift, that all those who by faith believe have. Now, Father, pray your blessings on this church. Use us to bring glory and honor to you all the days of our lives. Father, you know the burdens of our hearts. You know our prayer requests. Father, we lift each one of them up before you. Those in our congregation who are sick, Father, we pray your sustaining healing power over them. Father, we believe by faith that you do heal. You can heal. Father, we pray for those that are traveling. We believe that you can protect. You do protect. And Father, we just pray all these things in that name that's above all other names. In the name of the one that gives us the right, the joy, the privilege of running before your throne. In the name of Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all, we pray. Amen.